0: Thank you so much. What a, what a wonderful worship time for us today. Thank you, Becky and Melissa and Thais and Lucas, Vadim and Yosef and Stefano and those that you can't see behind uh, Tyro and Monique and, and Anna and Jessica and Josh and Harry and Ryan. I can just go on. We have so many wonderful servants. Thank you for a great reading. James and those working in children's today. Thank you. Well, welcome home, King of Kings community. We're glad you're back into the house tonight. It's a special night that we get to come back. I think we need to see it as an honor that we get to do this together. We also welcome everybody watching online tonight, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms around the world, welcome. We know we have lots of countries uh, that we could mention tonight, but a special welcome to those that we don't get to see all of the time from South Africa and from Switzerland and even Puerto Rico tonight. So bless all of you uh, watching online. There's so much to share tonight And I will do my best to walk us through some scriptural portions, giving it relevance to today, being bold but being sensitive at the same time. So if we don't do it perfectly, would you forgive me? But we'll do our best, there's so many things that we could cover and somewhere in there there's a prophetic word that needs to be woven into all of this and the Lord will tell me when the right time for that is. You know, last week when we were just uh, starting the service, we got the notice that the following week, which is right now, we would be off of some of the restrictions of gathering, and we would be able to gather with at least 300 people in one space, and immediately I knew what we were going to do, because if you remember in the Bible, 300 was Gideon's army. And I automatically knew that's where we're headed, and... What's interesting about that is there's lots of people from King of Kings here at the local English congregation, as well as the broader network of congregations in King of Kings family. Lots of people got called up to the army. We've been keeping a list of their names, trying to pray over them. Uh, 70, 80 different soldiers and reserves and miluin up. Uh, they got called up this past week or two, and we've been praying for them. But it's not just them that aren't here today. It's it's even uh, their families that can't come because they're called up. It's people that, that got called back to a different home country that they had to go back to, or people that uh, maybe they felt it wasn't safe here for now. And we certainly understand all of these things, and we bless you wherever you're watching from tonight around the world. But a couple of things you should know, and we're just catching you up. If you don't get our newsletter, you need to make sure you go to our website, and register for our local newsletter, that's this congregation's newsletter. And then you can also register for the global newsletter that we put out to the whole King of Kings family because we do updates and I've been doing videos for different people there that you can uh, keep up with a lot of the news and things we can get on the ground that people around the world can't necessarily get in their their news uh, streams. But as you know, we're now entering the third week of this Simcha Torah war. It's, it's become very dangerous. Uh, we were infiltrated by at least 2,500 Hamas terrorists that caught us by surprise, and I'm sure the government is looking into how did that happen, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that will be discussed down the road once we can get to a safe place. Our injured numbers are approaching 5,000. Our death toll is now over 1,400. We can tell you today's report that there are still at least 212 hostages being held in Gaza. We can also tell you that over 300,000 Israelis have been displaced from their home. That's a lot of people that had to leave. There are almost 80 cities that have been evacuated now in Israel, both from the south near Gaza and in the north near Lebanon. A report today said that there were 700,000 Gazans that had left their home to move south, more south into Gaza. That's 300,000 and 700,000. That's a million people displaced in two weeks. Can you imagine the toll it takes on a country, on the economy, on the supply chain, on the lives sacrificed? What it's doing to scar people's minds and their hearts and their emotions. And without the Lord, there's no hope of recovery for these people. They'll be forever scarred. If you haven't heard, there's been bombs and rockets, tank fire, at least on coming from four different countries now. Now, if you want to talk about first Hamas out of Gaza, then Hezbollah out of Lebanon, and then some combination of Hamas and Hezbollah out of Syria, and now Yemen decides they want to get in on it. Over 7,000 rockets have been fired so far. I'm just giving you statistics you probably already know. But you have to understand the context of what's going on. Some reports have 60,000 to 100,000 Iranian troops now in Syria. You can see what their plan might be. And 10,000 Iraqi troops have now come to the border of Jordan, waiting for the go-ahead, if Jordan decides to get involved. Now there's lots to pray about. There's lots of innocent people along the way. And you might say, what is God doing? Where is he? We should never have to go through a trial or a time like this, something so sensitive, so tragic. And what the Lord laid on our heart this week was to go a little bit deeper. We're certainly able to say that there are many things that our eyes can see that trouble us today whether it's the invasions of the terrorists with machine guns or the bombings from all different sides, or whether it's the media coverage, who, let's just face it, here in Israel, we don't expect to get a fair shake when it comes to the media around the world. We never have. They started off in week one, looked like they were willing to call a terrorist a terrorist and call murder murder. But then it started to waver. Were they gonna stay on that path of truth or were they gonna leave the path of truth? And and of course, last week we had that very unfortunate incident where the hospital in Gaza got bombed. And immediately the world jumped at Israel. How could you? You're so inhumane. Ah, oh, and you saw the old history of the media revert back to what they're used to. The problem was Israel didn't bomb the hospital. The PIJ, the Islamic Jihad, bombed their own hospital on accident. All the proof is there. Check the videos, it's there. But the world was quick to jump at the first chance, the first bit of news before checking because it fit the narrative they want. And it spread like wildfire across the globe. How many retractions did you see? How many apologies did you see to Israel? Because the enemy is going to use his weapon of media, just like he's going to use his weapon of anti-Semitism. We found out today that since the war began, at least 550 rockets have been fired by Hamas that malfunctioned and landed in Gaza, hurting their own people. But in most of those 550 cases, somebody's going to blame Israel for that. But we know what the enemy's up to. Those of us that are spiritually discerning and prophetically open, we can see the enemy's attacks and his lies, but you know not everybody can see it. What's interesting is I remember being in the U.S. September 11, 2001, when the terrorist attack happened in New York. And to this day, there are still memorials and whole days of remembrance for that one day of terrorism. One day. And here we are decades and decades and decades later, still dealing with terrorism. But the world's afraid to call it terrorism because Israel's involved. Another tragic situation happened not too long ago, a year and a half ago, when when Russia invaded Ukraine, and the world was quick to jump in and support Ukraine. You saw blue and yellow flags immediately, globally, everywhere, buildings lit up with colors. But will we see that same support for Israel? We'll see. History doesn't tend to lean on our side when it comes to the media. But as we've learned and taught, there are way more things going on behind the scenes than what we see with our eyes. When we sing the Shema, and we just sang it so beautifully, I love the the, the harmony of the voices when we sing Shema. A a Jewish tradition, not everybody does it, but many people do, that when we sing the Shema, hear, O Israel, we'll cover our eyes. Because we want to hear the Lord, that's the commandment, hear Him, Because you can't always trust your eyes. And so during the Shema, we cover our eyes. If you watch me, I'll cover my eyes while we sing Shema because we want to obey the commandment to hear. Because there's so much going on behind the scenes that our eyes cannot see. And that's where we want to begin our new series tonight. And we're going to do a little play on words because this series is called Behind the Scene. Not behind the scenes. Like, pull the curtain back, and you can see behind the scene, behind what is seen, there's something else going on. And I brought that to you in the Battlefield series. I brought it to you in the Battle of Reality. And we're going to bring it to you again, going behind what is seen. Because there's a world that we can certainly see with our eyes, but there's a whole other world behind that one. And if you only get stuck with what these physical eyes can see, friends, listen to me, you are behind. The bigger world, the bigger battle, is something you cannot necessarily see with your eyes. So during this series, we wanna build our faith and we wanna learn to tap into this unseen world. We wanna know more about what God is doing. Because most of what God does cannot be seen. And the quicker you embrace that, the quicker you'll understand how to move mountains. So let's first establish... I'm going I'm to share with you that word I mentioned before we go further. I just sensed, as we were worshiping a prophetic moment that those of us that have engaged in intercession and prayer, that we're fighting on our knees. And that's the place you gotta be. If you have not joined us yet for our prayer times, I'm encouraging you now, no guilt, no condemnation, but I'm encouraging you, don't just give money, don't just give clothes and food, help us fight the more effective way, which is in prayer and worship. And if you're around the world, and you have not yet jumped in on this, here's the word for you. If we do not jump in and stop this evil now, it will come knocking on your door next. So you might say, Israel's far away. I throw up a prayer, God bless him, and I'm done, I'm going on with my day. If you do not engage body of Messiah globally, this will be at your door next. And if you don't believe me, watch what's happening between russia and ukraine watch what's happening between china and taiwan watch what's happening between at least four nations in israel probably more by the time this is done this is coming to everyone's door time to fight on our knees we must first establish what the god that we serve what is he like some questions. Is he visible and physical? Can he be seen? Can his work be seen? Well, the answers to these questions are yes and no, then yes and no again, and then yes again. So we'll break that down. Our opening scripture, First John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has ever seen God... But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, according to the apostle John, no one has ever seen God. All right, we're gonna put that piece of the puzzle on the table. It's not the only piece of the puzzle, but it's a piece of the puzzle. John seems to make it clear that God has never been seen. Hmm, that's interesting because John was with Yeshua, John called Yeshua God. John said that Yeshua is the creator of all things, but John says God has never been seen. That's interesting. John seems to have a perspective that not all of us have yet. We read it from the apostle John again, this time in the Gospel of John, chapter 1:18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and his closest relationship with the father has made him known. So again John says you haven't seen God even though you've seen God. You follow. It's not the easiest concept to get, I understand. John repeats this claim that only Yeshua has ever seen the Father. So now we're introduced to this idea that the Father maybe has never been seen, but Yeshua the son who is fully God, and the exact representation of his being, Yeshua has been seen. So that's why it's a yes and a no. The Father in his full almighty form has never been seen, but Yeshua in his form of God, deity, has been seen. And then we go back to the Shema. Adonai Echad. God is one. So we can't separate them, and yet one form or one, I like to use this word, one expression has been seen, the other expression has not been seen. You know, Paul gives us a little bit of this dynamic too in one of his writings to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6, 15 and 16, he says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. You see, Paul somehow got this dichotomy, this consistency, even though it seems inconsistent, compatibility of God too. He was able to say that no one's ever seen God. And then you say, wait, Paul, didn't you see God three times? Yes, I did. Well, how does that square? How does it equal? Remember, we're talking about Behind the scene. What is unseen? Some things are seeable and some things are not seeable. Now, here at King of Kings, you guys have heard me teach for years that I believe Yeshua showed up in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, at least seven times. There were the the patriarchs who saw him, touched him, spoke with him, ate with him. Adam, Eve, Abraham, Jacob, Joshua, Manoah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and more. So if you were to ask those guys, did you see God? Every eyewitness says, yes, I saw him. But Paul and John say, you can't see him. So they saw an expression of God that we call Yeshua. When God Almighty chooses to show himself to us in physical form, That is Yeshua. He goes by lots of different names in the Tanakh, right? The Stump of David, the Commander of the Lord of Hosts Armies, the Angel of the Lord, the One in the Fire. Lots of names, but that's Yeshua. It's God, just in his Yeshua physical form. And that's how you can mesh or connect the two thoughts about how come one of the patriarchs says you can't see him, but they saw him, and the other patriarch says, we've seen him, but you can't see him. Right? And it really surprised people like Jacob, who wrestled with God, then he names the place the house of God, and then he says, whew, I got lucky. I wrestled with God and I didn't die. I thought I was supposed to die because no one can see God. And there's this thinking that God cannot be seen, but that's truth. But then there's the reality that you can see an expression of God, and that is also truth, because there's something behind the scene. This this is a concept that really, really trips up the Orthodox. And I just want to pause and say thank you to our Orthodox Jewish brothers who have volunteered to join the army this week. Thank you. You see, the concept in Judaism, in mainstream Judaism, is that you cannot see God, period. They're going to go with, the funny thing is, they're, they're, they're going to agree with John and Paul. The last people they would ever think that they would want to agree with is the Apostle Paul. But they agree with Paul. Paul. You can't see God, period. Can't see him. And so that's why it's difficult when you talk about Yeshua in the flesh and that God could choose to express himself in bodily form and could choose to put a self-limiting factor on himself so that he could be killed. That concept is so difficult for the Orthodox. It's not as far away from themselves as they think it is when you tell them about the patriarchs and they said and you say to them listen god almighty limited himself so that you could see him abraham saw him joshua saw him but it's hard for them to take the next step of that and not call it an angel because calling it an angel disagrees with the eyewitness on the ground who saw him and touched him and ate with him they have trouble leaping stepping in faith to saying but god can't be killed Well, of course God cannot be killed. God cannot even be seen. But God in his decision to self-limit and sacrifice himself in a form that we can interact with called Yeshua, laid down his own life. Of course no one can kill God. John 10, 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. You see, the concept we need people to get is not that God can't decide to lay his life down temporarily, but it's that God is so powerful, he can raise himself from the dead. That's where the focus should be. But very difficult concept for those without faith. They say, oh, Chad, you've talked about the patriarchs, you've talked about John and Paul, the apostles, but we'd really like to hear something from Yeshua on this. Let's go for it. Matthew chapter 6, 5 and 6, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Can you imagine the questions the apostles had? Yeshua, you're God, right? Correct. So when you just said, pray to the God in secret, the God who is unseen, but you're standing right there, I can touch you, and he would say, correct. And they would say, okay, let's try it again. You're God, you're standing there, I can touch you, but God cannot be seen, is that correct? That's correct. Because what was being missed was the concept of God's decision and ability to self-limit himself for the sake of us being able to interact with him. That shouldn't diminish your faith. It should increase your faith about how God, how big and powerful he is, that he has to do a measure like this just to interact with us. That's how powerful he actually is. And we'll move on from prayer and go to fasting. Matthew chapter 6, 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they were fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Paul uses a moment when he's witnessing the gospel in Athens, he seizes the moment to try to explain this to the Athenians. Acts chapter 17, 22 and 23. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, the altar to the unknown god.'" So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And then he goes on to tell them, yes, Yeshua in the flesh was God, but God in his almighty form you have never seen. And it's really that simple. That's how you explain it. God's choice to interact with mankind and to sacrifice himself for our salvation was a decision he made before the foundation of the world that he knew we were going to sin, we were going to need a savior, and he could not come in his almighty form because we could not stand it. How did he know that? Because he's the creator of these bodies, and he did not create these bodies with sin to withstand his almighty presence. So he made a decision to self-limit in the form of humanity, or an angel, or a visitor, or a friend in the fire, so that we could interact with our God. Now if you wanna continue to walk through the Tanakh and the epistles and the writings, and you end up in Revelation, right? But one of the key moments of Revelation that helps us put these puzzle pieces together is when you get to Revelation chapter 21. Make a note. You can study it later. But in Revelation chapter 21, John says, And I saw the old heaven and earth pass away. And behold, there was a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem that came out of heaven and landed on the new earth. And Yeshua came to that new Jerusalem, and he ruled and reigned with his people. But what gets missed a lot of times is, where is that? Because it, being the new Jerusalem, came out of heaven. It's not in heaven. It came out of heaven. Now... You could get caught on these words. I always tell my children, there are levels of heaven, because Paul says there's levels of heaven, or there are realms of heaven. But the new Jerusalem comes out of what appears to be the highest realm, and it comes down to the new heaven and new earth. And then Yeshua comes out of the highest realm, and he comes to the new Jerusalem where he reigns with us. But notice where we never go. We never get there. So, if your theology or your gospel has been predicated on the one condition that you are saved and you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven, be careful. You are certainly going to go to a heavenly place. You're certainly going to go to one of the heavens. You're certainly going to go to a realm of heaven, to the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, but it's still not necessarily where God exists in his almighty form because we've never been promised that we can handle his almighty form. And that should not make you fret because everything you need to know about God is resident in Yeshua and he will be the one to continue to communicate with mankind. This is why you need the Savior. Otherwise, if you're in an orthodox mentality and you can never see God, what hope is there for you? You die one day and you go somewhere, but you still never get to interact with God? That doesn't sound like a place I want to be. So the question then is this, it's a challenging question, but do we need to see God in his fullest form in order to believe in him, to trust him, and to follow him? John chapter 20, verse 29, then Yeshua told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Yeshua knew that there was going to be a test for all of us, that we were going to have to believe in him even though we didn't see him and we were going to have to believe in the father even though we may never see him and since we know that god doesn't do random things there must be an important reason that no one has ever seen him in this almighty expression second corinthians chapter 4:16 Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, if you think your God is eternal, then guess what? He's unseen. Did you catch that? If you want to serve the immortal, eternal God, then you have to embrace that he is unseen. Now, maybe one day in a redeemed body, when we're all educated more and we're holier and everything's perfect, maybe one day he will think it's time and he will reveal himself to us in that way. I'm not gonna say he's gonna do that because the word doesn't say that but it would be fun if he did. But what I can promise you is everything you need to see about God, know about God, hear from God, and learn from him, you will learn from God in the form of Yeshua. There will be nothing missing that you need because Yeshua is God. And you say, all right, that is hard. How does the triunity, triune, the God, Son, Father, Spirit, explain it. It's actually quite unwise to try to explain it. And the reason is because there's nothing else like him. We sang that song, right? And kamocha, and od zulatcha. There is no one like you, and there's nothing that compares to you. So what makes us think all of a sudden we're going to do a quick comparison and be like, oh, well, you know, the triune nature of God, pretty easy. Here's how it works. God is one God. He has got three things that move, and they talk, and they touch, and they, they commune, and then they come back to one, and then they go, and they do this. and then. There is no example we have on earth like this, and it's a good thing because if we did, we would diminish God. The fact that he's the only one that knows how to do this increases my faith. It doesn't weaken my faith. Because that's the kind of God I want to serve, the one who isn't like everyone else. Certainly, all of these lessons tonight can apply to our current situation. We can see what's in front of us on the news and the the news feeds. But can we see what God is doing behind the scene? Let me give you the key phrase of tonight. If we put too much emphasis on what we can see, we can actually forfeit being a conduit of power for the Holy Spirit. What 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 am I talking about? What do I mean? What I mean is this. If you only care about what you can see, you have forfeited discernment. You have forfeited prophecy. You have forfeited the supernatural. But the believers were created to live in the realm of the supernatural. And you are forfeiting that gift if you say, uh, only with my eyes. I have to see God, otherwise I can't, I can't deal with this. Well, that's a problem, because God exists in his eternal form in the unseen. John five seventeen. in his defense, Yeshua said to them, my father is always at his work, even to this very day, and I too am working. You see, when we talk about is God working, Yeshua says he's always at work. He never stops working. You say, yeah, but where was he when Hamas broke through our borders? Where was he when we lost 1,400 of our people, civilians and soldiers? Where was he during the Holocaust? Where where was he? Well, the truth is, God never takes a break. He is always working on our behalf. Psalm 121, first four verses says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And a lot of people have been texting and putting up social media well, it seems like God is finally sleeping. So, even though we may not see God in His almighty form, and even those of us today as believers, maybe we don't even see Yeshua in the flesh like the apostles got to see, can we at least see the work or a trail of His evidence behind Him? Well, Hebrews says, chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things unseen. If you are professing to be a person of faith, then you must profess that it is okay that you don't see everything. And yes, there is a trail behind God of his evidence, even when he's working behind the scenes. You can still see his trail. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve heard God's voice. They heard the movement of the trees and the leaves in the garden. Perhaps they even could see the leaves moving. But did you notice the scripture never says they saw him? They heard him. Remember the command of the Shema. Adam, Eve, close your eyes. You can hear the Lord. He will speak to you. He will visit you. You can see a trail of his evidence. Exodus chapter 19. The children of Israel had a great experience with this as well. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Note, there was a lot of evidence of his presence, but no one got to see him. Right? You got to see the smoke. You got to see the fire. You got to hear the thunder the lightning you got to all those things they didn't get to see him not in that almighty form they didn't now later yeshua goes and eats a meal with the 70 elders of Israel so they get to see the yeshua form of god but not in the almighty form they never saw god like that on the mountain so let's close we're in a very serious and sensitive time in our country There are no words to express our pain, our loss, our anger, our disappointment, and our sadness about what is happening in the war to Israel right now and to other innocent people because there are innocent people in Gaza. There are innocent people in Lebanon. There are innocent people in Syria that don't want to be part of this. There is no perfect way to comfort a family who has lost a loved one. There are no ways to describe the atrocities that were done to our people. However, we answer the question tonight, even though we embrace that God in his almighty form may be unseen, has his hand left a trail of evidence? Well, friends, 7,000 rockets have been fired at our country. 2,500 terrorists came in with machine guns, were surrounded by enemies on all sides, and somehow, only 1,400 people have died. And I say that with all respect. Every life is important to God, every death is tragic. But the math does not work out. 7,000 rockets? 2,500 terrorists that came in the country, surrounded by your enemies, firing from drones and planes and paragliders and tanks and infiltration of tunnels, knives. How is it possible that those numbers are not higher? The death toll should be way higher if it was only up to math. But praise God, we don't serve math. We never have. God's hand has left a trail already. His evidence is already here. I don't know why he doesn't save every single person. I don't know. But then again, I I determined a long time ago that I didn't have to know everything to serve God. And just because I have dedicated my whole life to studying the scriptures and the history of the body and learn as much as I can and experience as much as I can, there is no way that all of my study or your study even equates to even 1% of all knowledge. And don't you think that there's a lot of things you don't know that exist in that other 99%? I certainly believe that. I saw other evidences of God's hand this week. If you haven't seen these photos and videos, try to look them up. One of the rockets that was fired from Hamas, it got shot up in the air, got about halfway over Israel, turned around and came back. That's phenomenal. Another one shot up and spiraled in circles, came back down. We've already talked about 550 rockets fired by Hamas that malfunctioned and unfortunately hurt people in Gaza. But somewhere in there, you have to admit, you have to see God's unseen hand in all of this. And in saying that, we don't want to diminish any of the precious lives that have been lost on either side because every one of those lives is God's child and he's grieving more than any of us. We've heard stories and testimonies come in of guns jamming when people were about to be shot, families hiding, and terrorists entering their house, looking in every room, but never found them in the room they were in. You don't think that's God's hand hiding that door? Like, no, that that room doesn't exist. God's evidence is all around us if we can open our spirit to it. Would you stand with me as we say a word of prayer for our soldiers? Father, we love you. We confess that we don't see everything. We confess we don't understand everything, but we also confess that we can see your hand at work. We can see the rustling of the leaves in the garden. We can hear it. We can hear your movements. We can see the evidences of it, God. We see you not sleeping, but we see you working because you never stop working on behalf of your people. You promised this land. We didn't promise it, you did. You promised our survival, not us, you. You promised on covenant, not us, but we receive it today. And Father, everything that your word says about this land and this people, we lay hold of it today in the name of Yeshua. We say we agree with it by faith, because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things we don't see. We don't even see the right borders yet today, according to the word. We don't see a righteous priesthood. We don't see mass numbers of Jews turning to Yeshua yet. But the evidence is headed in the right direction. And Father, we ask you to protect our soldiers now fighting as we get ready for this ground incursion. It's even more dangerous than it has been and we are praying for something supernatural. We don't want to live by the sight of our eyes. We want to live by the faith in our spirit that you, the unseen God will send your angelic hosts. And maybe we don't see them today, but we know they're there, fighting for Israel. They are fighting against evil. We also pray for other innocent people in these countries that you will protect them as well because there needs to be a testimony of the innocent people that disagreed with evil. There needs to be a testimony. Would you please continue to move for safety and peace over Jerusalem, over Judea and Samaria, over our region. We bless every pastor in the King of Kings family that's trying to navigate this. We bless Pastor Nate the senior pastor of Adonai Royi in Tel Aviv, who is fighting right now at the Gaza border. We bless every soldier that was called up in the King of Kings family. And Father, we proclaim in faith that we will not lose one in the name of Yeshua. Because you are on our side and you never stop working for your people. We say that in faith in Yeshua's name. We're gonna proclaim that in faith with this next song.